Hello and welcome. This is Michael Annis, and you are listening to episode 55 of the Space Rocket History Podcast. I recommend listening to episodes 44 and 45 before you listen to this episode. And now, Vosk Hood 2 with Alexei Leonov and Pavel Belyaev. Voskhod 2 was a high-risk mission. It was the final space race victory for the Soviet Union before NASA finally claimed the lead and ultimately the win with the lunar landing of 1969. Voskhod 2 was the peak of the Soviet Federal Space Program. It nearly killed its two cosmonauts, but was ultimately a success. You may recall from episode 44, Voskhod 1 successfully launched the first three-man crew into orbit inside a space capsule that was only designed for two men. This time, Voskhod 2 would be used as designed with a two-man crew. Unlike its predecessor, the first-generation Vostok, Voskhod flights were intended to produce spectacular space stunts that had never been done before in order to stay ahead of the U.S. space program. The Mercury program in the U.S. can be thought of as the counterpart to the first-generation Vostok in the Soviet Union. The Voskhod was meant to be the counterpart to Gemini. But NASA's second-generation Gemini capsule was almost a completely new design, retaining the successful features of Mercury, such as a conical shape with a heat shield at the bottom, while adding several new features, such as engines strong enough to significantly alter orbit, docking and rendezvous facilities, and provisions for extravehicular activities, EVA, all of which were essential for manned moon missions. In contrast, the Soviet second-generation Voskhod 3KD spacecraft was basically a first-generation Vostok spacecraft with a backup solid-fuel retro rocket added to the top of the descent module and an inflatable airlock to be extended in orbit. The ejection seat was removed to allow more space inside the capsule. There was no escape tower in the event of a launch emergency either. The lack of ejection seats meant that the Voskhod crew would return to Earth inside their spacecraft. Unlike the first-generation Vostok cosmonauts who ejected and parachuted down separately. Because of this, a new landing system was developed, which added a small solid-fuel rocket to the parachute lines. It fired as the descent module neared touchdown, providing a softer landing. Recall from episode 44, Voskhod 1 had a three-man crew, so there was no room for spacesuits. But the cosmonauts in Voskhod 2 were supplied spacesuits. It was a necessity because the mission called for an EVA and used an inflatable airlock. The inflatable airlock was included to allow cosmonaut Leonov 
to exit and re-enter the craft. Now, if you are like me, you're asking why the Soviets could not have simply depressurized the cabin to do a spacewalk, like the U.S. did with Gemini. It turns out that the vehicle's electrical and environmental systems were air-cooled, and complete capsule depressurization would remove the air and lead to overheating of their equipment. The airlock was designed, built, and tested in nine months in 1964. The airlock was cylinder-shaped like a can. It weighed 250 kilograms. When not inflated, it was 0.7 meters in diameter and 0.77 meters high. The airlock comprised a 1.2 meter wide metal ring fitted over Voskhod's 2's inner opening hatch. The airlock was double-walled and made of fabric. When inflated, it was two and a half meters long. The top end diameter was 1.2 meters wide. A metal ring surrounded the 0.65 meter wide inward opening airlock hatch that would be opened to go into space. The airlock's deployed internal volume was two and a half cubic meters. The airlock was made rigid by about 40 air booms clustered as three independent groups, but it could be inflated with only two groups if necessary. The air booms needed seven minutes to fully inflate. Four spherical tanks held sufficient oxygen to inflate the air booms and pressurize the airlock. Two lights lit the airlock interior and three 16-millimeter cameras, two in the airlock, one outside on a boom mounted to the upper ring, would be used to record the historic first spacewalk. The non-spacewalking cosmonaut wore a spacesuit as a precaution against accidental capsule depressurization. He could control the airlock from inside the spacecraft, but a set of controls were also available suspended on a bungee cord inside the airlock. The airlock was to be jettisoned after use and before re-entry. The spacesuit worn by the cosmonauts was the Burkut, meaning Golden Eagle, soft spacesuit. It was essentially a modified Vostok Skoll SK-1 intravehicular activity suit with a removable helmet. It was developed by NPP Zevzda in 1964 through 1965. The needs of the cosmonaut were supplied not through an umbilical cord, but rather through a simple open-cycle environmental control system. Oxygen used for both breathing and cooling was contained in a metal backpack. A relief valve vented the suit into space, carrying away heat, moisture, exhaled carbon dioxide, and unconsumed oxygen. The suit operating pressure was 5.8 PSI. There were two relief valve settings, one at 0.27 atmospheres 
and one at 0.4 atmospheres. The suit weighed 20 kilograms and the backpack weighed 21 and a half kilograms which made the total weight 41.5 kilograms. Sufficient oxygen was carried for 45 minutes of depressurized activity. This type spacesuit was only worn on the Voskhod 2 flight due to ballooning problems. Before this mission, the spacesuit was believed to be a strong contender for a universally applicable spacesuit, one that would work in space as well as in low-gravity atmospheric planetary environments. At least in terms of weight, at 41.5 kilograms, the Burkut was a good contender. However, the suit's few mobility joints restricted movement and caused problems as it was reported that any attempt to bend limbs caused ballooning in the suit. The launch vehicle for Voskhod 2 was the Voskhod rocket, or 11A57, which was the same type used for Voskhod 1, and originally derived from the R7 ICBM. It was capable of delivering 7,000 kilograms to orbit. Here is a Russian audio clip with English translations describing Voskhod. This is a new ship, the multi-seat piloted Voskhod, a great improvement over earlier vehicles. It's capable of carrying a whole crew. On October the 12th, 1964, it carried an engineer, a scientist, and a doctor on its first trip into space. Vladimir Komarov, Konstantin Vyaktistov, and Boris Yegorov. This new ship makes it possible to solve new problems in space research. The problem of a walk in space was no longer science fiction, but had become a routine undertaking on the program. The flight of Voskhod 2 would not be routine. Now let's consider the two cosmonauts selected for the mission. First we have Alexei Leonov. Alexei was born on May 30, 1934, in the small village of Listvyanka, 600 kilometers north of the city of Kemerovo, in the southeast of western Siberia, the ninth child in his family. Alexei revealed his interest in arts and aviation at an early age. In 1936, Alexei Leonov's father became the subject of repression, but he was rehabilitated in 1939. The family moved to Komarovo and then to Kaliningrad, where Leonov's relatives still reside. In 1953, Alexei graduated from high school. By that time, he had achieved good results in his studies. In addition, he had made achievements in sports and knew much about aircraft, thanks to his elder brother, who was an aviation technician. Alexei learned about aircraft engines, aircraft construction, and even flight theories. That was enough to enter the aircraft college, the school Leonov had dreamt of since childhood. From 1955 to 1957, Alexei studied at the Higher 
specialized school for fighter pilots in the Ukraine. After graduation, he enrolled in the fighting squads and proved himself a very talented pilot. In 1960, Alexei passed the necessary test and was selected as one of the 20 Soviet Air Force pilots that made up the first cosmonaut group. However, he did not make it to the Vanguard 6, which was covered in episode 22. Like all the Soviet cosmonauts, Leonov was a member of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. He was selected to walk in space on the Vostok 11 mission, but that mission was canceled. On March 17, 1965, Alexei was appointed co-pilot on the Vosk Hood 2 mission where he would have his chance to walk in space. Leonov spent 18 months undergoing intensive weightless training for the mission. The other cosmonaut on the mission was Pavel Ivanovich Belyaev. He was one of six children and was known as Pasha to his family and friends. He was born on June 26, 1925 in Cheleshchevo in what is now Babushkinsky district Vologda Oblast. In 1932 his family moved to the nearby village of Minkovo. His father was a physician's assistant and his mother worked on a collective farm. Belyaev began his schooling at age 7 in 1932. Physics and geography were his favorite subjects. As a boy, he enjoyed playing hockey and hunting. Just before his 13th birthday, the family moved to Kamensk-Urolsky region. While there, he continued his education at the Gorkogo Secondary School. In 1942... Belyaev took on temporary work as a turner in a factory and later became a check operator in the Sinarsk Pipes Factory in support of the war effort. He applied to the Special Air Force School in Severodosk but failed to gain admission. He then attempted to join a fighting ski unit as a volunteer but was again rejected because he was too young. In 1943, just prior to turning 18, he was called up. He then entered the 3rd Serapool School, where he began training as a naval pilot. He graduated in 1944 and then moved to the Stalin Naval Air School. During Belyaev's final studies at the Naval Air Force Academy, he was interviewed and tested for possible inclusion in the space program. The selectors were impressed by his ability to withstand high G forces. Belyaev was sent to Air Squadron 661, 4th IAD of the Black Sea Fleet. A month later, he was appointed commander of the regiment's 241st Squadron. By the time he was finally selected, he had logged over 1,000 hours flight time in both piston and jet aircraft and had also completed approximately 40 parachute jumps. On March 25, 1960, 
Belyaev reported for assignment at the newly formed Cosmonaut Training Center. At 34, he was the oldest candidate accepted into the program. As a major, he was the highest-ranking candidate and the only one to have seen active service in World War II. Because of his senior rank, Belyaev became the first commander of the Cosmonaut Corps. Belyaev and Vladimir Komarov were the only candidates to have Air Force Academy training. Yuri Gagarin nicknamed the two senior officers the Professors. In August, Belyaev fractured his lower leg just above the ankle in a parachute training accident that delayed his progress by approximately 12 months and excluded him from any early space flights. Due to the severity of the injury, it seemed unlikely that Belyaev would be readmitted to the program, but he worked constantly to recover and regain his fitness. After a year's absence, he passed his medical examination and returned to training. Belyaev's friend, Alexei Leonov, campaigned hard to get Belyaev on his Voskhod II mission. When asked why he campaigned so hard, Leonov said that he trusted Belyaev more than any of the others. It should also be noted for future reference that both cosmonauts were accustomed to cold, harsh weather. Now let's turn to the events leading to launch. Since this was the first mission to use an inflatable airlock, the Soviets decided to send up an unmanned test mission to verify the hardware it would work. On February 22, 1965, at 12.30 local time, Cosmos 57 launched from the Baikonur Cosmodrome. The launch went perfectly, without deviations. The Voskhod rocket inserted the spacecraft with two dummy cosmonauts into a 165 by 427 kilometer orbit at 64.7 degrees inclination. After reaching orbit, the signal to deploy the airlock was given. Testing the airlock would entail the performance of a number of operations controlled by the ground. First, deploying the chamber as an extrusion from the spacecraft. Second, pressurizing the chamber by opening a valve from within the cabin. Third, closing that valve. Fourth, opening and closing the outer hatch. Fifth, opening and closing the inner hatch. Sixth, opening and closing an airlock vent valve. And seventh, repressurizing with compressed air and jettisoning the airlock before retrofire. All the airlock tests were successfully performed except those involved in refilling the chamber with compressed air, opening and closing the inner hatch, and jettisoning the airlock. The tests were televised in Moscow. After completing the first five steps of the test, the ground control crew took a break to eat and returned two hours later. On greeting Korolov, 
Good evening, Korolov grimly replied. No, this evening, whatever it is, is not good. The spacecraft has exploded. As the spacecraft was supposed to come over Russia at the beginning of the third orbit, neither ground stations could contact it. There were no signals and no response from the telemetry. No further contact could be made on the third or fourth orbits either. Analysis showed that the spacecraft began the re-entry sequence. The TDU engine fired, but the spacecraft did not leave orbit. After 29 minutes, the onboard self-destruct system, programmed to recognize such a situation, blew the ship up. But where did the signal commanding the re-entry sequence come from? It was later determined that two ground control stations sent commands to the spacecraft simultaneously. The combined signals accidentally set off the retrofire sequence, which sometime later triggered the self-destruct mechanism designed to prevent the spacecraft from falling into enemy hands. On the other hand, it was an excellent test of the self-destruct system. Even though all airlock tests were not completed, the decision was made to go ahead with Foskud 2 anyway, due to the one-year lead time to construct a replacement to run another unmanned test. But planned follow-on Voskud missions were canceled, including the Air Force version's long-duration one-man flight. The Soviets also believed that the trouble would have been spotted and corrected by the crew of a mancraft, and because all the airlock operations could in fact be carried out manually, the spacewalk flight of Voskhod 2 was not delayed. However, the opportunity was available to perform one test that was not completed by Cosmos 57, the re-entry test with the airlock attach point installed on the capsule. On March 7, 1965, Cosmos 59 was launched from the Baikonur Cosmodrome by a Voskhod 11A57 rocket. It was injected into a 206 by 323 kilometer orbit with a 65 degree inclination. Cosmos 59 was a Zenit photo reconnaissance satellite with a high resolution camera. Before launch, the Soviets fitted a dummy Voskhod airlock attach point onto the Zenit capsule in order to check its aerodynamic effect during re-entry. On March 15th, Cosmos 59 descent module landed for recovery after being commanded to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere. The Voskhod airlock attachment passed the aerodynamic test. Before and during these events, the cosmonauts were in training. I have three Soviet-made audio clips of cosmonaut training for the mission. You can hear the cosmonauts speaking Russian in the background, and there is an English translation as well. Here's the first clip. Hello. 
It took Alexei Leonov and Pavel Belyaev five years to prepare for their Voskhod 2 flight. The walk into space means to step into a vacuum. But there's no such deep vacuum here on Earth. So, an artificial one was constructed for the two spacemen. A thermal pressure chamber. The cabin of the spaceship was wheeled into this chamber, which resembles an underground town. This was the first training session of its kind. Leonov and Vilayev experienced the deep vacuum of outer space and also the extreme cold of the void in this chamber. The only thing lacking is weightlessness. Here's a clip of the cosmonauts in the simulator. From the control panel, commands are given to the spacemen to enter the cabin of their ship, and then comes an order to the machine department. Here's a clip for the airlock simulation. Exit from the cabin atmosphere to the deep vacuum and cold of space will take place through an airlock. The cabin air of the spaceship is delivered to the lock and pressure is balanced. The spaceman enters the airlock, which is then depressurized. The spaceman can now simply walk out into the deep vacuum of space. Ready for opening of hatch. Helmet is tight, gloves on, feeling fine, ready for exit. Am opening hatch of cabin simulator. Begin exit. Is the film camera on? Am crossing the edge. Am settled in airlock. Am taking over control. Hatch of cabin simulator is closed. Get ready for opening the hatch of airlock. Am opening hatch of airlock. Hatch of airlock is open. Get ready for exit. Ready for exit. Am out as far as the waist. Now for the launch. On March 18, 1965, at 700 Universal Time, the Voskhod 2 spacecraft carrying Pavel Belyaev and Alexei Leonov was launched from Baikonur and inserted into a 169 by 473 kilometer orbit at 64.8 degrees inclination and an orbital period of 90.9 minutes. News agencies announced the news to the world 74 minutes later. After reaching orbit, Leonov and Belyaev attached the EVA backpack to Leonov's Berkut Golden Eagle spacesuit. The white metal EVA backpack provided 45 minutes of oxygen for breathing and cooling. 
Belyaev then deployed and pressurized the inflatable airlock. Leonov entered the airlock. Then Belyaev sealed the Voskhod II behind him and depressurized the airlock. At 8.34 Universal Time, Alexei Leonov opened the outer hatch of the airlock. Thanks for listening to this archive episode of the Space Rocket History Podcast. If you are financially able, please support the podcast by going to the homepage spacerockethistory.com and clicking on the orange donate button or the Patreon link. Thanks.